Welcome back, CX fans, to the newest episode of the CX Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Aiden Sano, joined, as always, by the Venom to my Eddie Brock. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? That's right, boom. When you get two losers... Oh, wait, sorry, wrong podcast. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the quick shot, dude. You're <laughs> we off. are both losers. Uh, I cannot wait to do this podcast Just like because Chris, we are losers. Just like Chris Berman and TJ, we are both losers. Actually, uh, you know who's a real loser? The 49ers. Our very, our very own Carnage. That's right. Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how are you? Great because I'm going to be played by Woody Harrelson. Maybe because now the director now the director out. left the movie and he dropped out. But you know that's fine because I was doing Matthew McConaughey voice anyway. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Um, Land a lean beat. It's been a uh, it's been quite the the weekend in Seahawks land. I mean, I just just an unbelievable performance by the Seattle Seahawks. A, a uh, just I experienced un- the full grief cycle during I, that game. I I think I text I texted in the in a group chat. I said I can't believe that we're gonna have another chance to win this game. And then we punted it to them, and then we got the ball back. And I go, I now I really can't believe that we're gonna have another chance to win this game <laughs> because it's just unbelievable. Like the number of opportunities that we were afforded, mostly by I would say Jimmy Garoppolo's just complete ineptitude and our you know- our defense finally having like a. Like a real, real nice game. Jimmy Garoppolo's Hall of Fame level performance this week. You know, not every quarterback can go 24 for 46 and throw a pick, what should have been three picks, and go over three and 20 plus yards and four for 16, 10 plus yards. You know, that's that's not something every quarterback can put together there, Jim, Nathan. Jimmy Garoppolo stats. 51 dropbacks. He was under pressure 18 times. On those 18 dropbacks that he was pressured, he took five sacks and went a staggering two for 13. For 20 yards. For 20 yards and an interception. Uh, <laughs> a lot of ducks out there, too. Two, two first downs, 45.5% adjusted completion percentage. Oh, that's because there was three drops as well. But I will say this. There was three drops by their team and also three drops by the Seahawks that should have been picks. This easily could have been a four-pick performance for Jimmy G. Uh, the Seahawks actually left a little bit on the field, and uh, yeah, you could tell KJ Wright was just so surprised when that one hit him in the chest. It hit him right in the chest. It was unbelievable. That's why I, he, that's why his linebacker not tied in there, Nathan. Gra- Garoppolo is straight trash, homie. Like I know, I know, he kind of bashed him a little bit coming into the week and said like, you know, he's turnover prone, he's bad under pressure, da 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 da. But like, yes, he was. He really showed all of those things. Let's start with the defense. The defense was the star of the show this week. Uh, Jadavian Clowney. Um, kept the high pressure Center numbers. of the ring. Got a star of the show. Got eleven pressures, five stops, uh, run stops. Uh, that is an, an absurd amount of of uh, disruption. He and also had a strip sack and a fumble recovery for a touchdown, not on the same play. Yeah, he just killed. He was just out there killing dudes. Like he I, was in on every play. I mean, that's not an understatement. Eric, have you has you have you seen anyone wear a Seahawks uniform and be? that disruptive like i know we've had some disruptive guys on our team tez we you know we go back to the uh the chad brown era we, jacob green jacob green Farnham. honestly i think going back maybe cortez kennedy just because he always drew a double team but he only drew a double like we were doing that against the san francisco 49ers this week we we're double teaming their ends usually on the our right side of the line at least towards the end of the game every single time but i'll say this jadavian Clowney made his presence felt every play because there, even the announcers were commenting, he'd swim inside, he'd duck out outside, he'd go around, he'd bull rush people, he'd jump. It seemed like every single down for him was a max performance. And I, you obviously want that all the time, but let's face it, I don't know if you can do that every single week. Are you backing up the money truck to Jadavian Clowney's I was, house? I was backing that up after week one. <laughs> but now I'm, I'm, 
I I think you should back it up now and put it in one of those pods and block his door so he cannot <laughs> leave without accepting the money. The big thing is Clowney is a more complete player than Reed was, which makes him infinitely more payable. He's scheme universal. It does, you want to run a 3-4, you want to run a 4-3, doesn't matter. He'll be effective. He's as good on pass downs as he is on rundowns. Um, a great play to illustrate what he's done this year was he was directly responsible for Al Wood's sack. He skied up and stopped Garoppolo from being able to throw it, which made him kind of like do a double clutch, which was just long enough for Woods to get his sack. It was one of those plays where it goes in as a pressure, but it was a pressure that was so much more than just a pressure. All right. Uh, we got to talk about the Griffin brothers, but let's first talk about the cornerback, Shaquille. Shaquille Griffin in this game was universally excellent. Targeted five times, only gave up the one catch. Had two pass breakups, including the probably the biggest play of the game when he broke up the pass on third down in overtime at the very last second mm-hmm. that got us the ball back the final time and pretty much was... You know, he's the reason that we won this game as much as anyone else. And he had a pick if it wasn't for Jamar Taylor sucking. Yeah, Shaquille Shaquille is awesome. Um, yeah, no, he was lights out. You know, one run, he had one run stop, and he had four tackles, even though, you know, he was only gave up one reception. So he's out there flying to the ball, just doing Shaquille Griffin stuff. Um, I think he's really establishing himself as the number one corner in the league. And if it's taken a while to probably took – we probably expected more of a leap last year, but – well, better late than never. Well, right? he was a little injured last year, but one thing we didn't talk about last week, which during the game I was like, oh, we we should have talked about this, but Shaq had something to prove in this game. He's going up against his mentor, uh, the guy they that still he, talk to each other, right? Yeah, that mm-hmm. he replaced. He the the original right side of the field in dreadlocks. Um, he I think he wanted to show out in front of him, and it's not like he put on a. You know, he tried harder or anything like that. He just wanted to show what he could do, and he had a better game than Sherman did. I was blown away by Shaq. All year he's had a, a phenomenal season, a phenomenal performance last night. Yeah, among among uh, cornerbacks that have gotten at least 211, 211, that's a, I, I know it's a specific number, but that's 50% of the max. Um, he's, a, he's only getting uh, giving up. A fourteen point six. He every fourteen point six snaps he gives up a reception. That's pretty nuts. It's eleventh in the league. It's just he's just operating at a really high level, not giving up uh, anything. He's only given up one touchdown on the season. He's got the two picks. I mean, he just he's looks... the step short of elite. He's a number one. He's that next tier below, like elite corners. Yeah. What I'd like to see is the yards per snap improve. You know, he gives up, he's still giving up a couple big plays this year. He's 20th in the league among those qualifying corners, uh, of which there is uh, 60 something. And, uh, you know, first is Richard Sherman. So, uh, he, he, yeah, he's going against the king. You're right, Eric. He's going against the guy who he probably looks up to, the guy who many consider, I think, rightly so. When still, you go against the king, you best not miss. Still to be the best in the league. And Shaq didn't miss. looked great. He looked great. And, you know, Josh Gordon got a big catch on Richard Sherman, and I'm not going to lie, it felt real good. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, that's Russ didn't not go at him at all, but he, like, you could tell he was only going to throw if it was open over there, and he threw over there twice, and we had a first-time reception on him. Uh, another guy, Puna Ford, had a great game. Yes, he he did. played 47 snaps. He played about half the snaps. Uh, he was good. He was great in run defense. He was good in pass rush. He got himself a sack, a couple of pressures, and he had three run stops. 
a very productive day. Jaron Reed Wait, had we a are, very productive day. You, you forgot. We were going to talk about Griffin Bros. Oh. Because there was a passing of the torch in this game. I think we all saw in the first half, Ze- Ezekiel Alonso was getting that burn. He was getting that run. And then at the end of the game, it wasn't Ezekiel Alonso in the pass rushdowns. It was it was Shaquem Griffin. Shaquem Griffin got 13 snaps. He rushed the passer 13 times. He wasn't perfect. He never got credited with a hit or a hurry. Um, but he did he did look effective. He got around his guy once. Um, they gave him the Jacob Martin role. Yeah, and I think that that's the role we want. We at the beginning of the season, Shaw Shaquem Griffin probably growing into, and now he's finally getting a chance. And I'll be honest, there's no way he can be worse than Ezekiel Ansah. That's just not possible. That guy has. You been, think Ziggy's hurt? I think there's. He's I not think he right. He might be done. I think he. Just I think he be, might have just lost his legs. Yeah, it's. Huh. It just might be the end of the line for me. He's thirty years old, and sometimes you just kind of. He's just had one, a lot of injuries. One too many injuries, and that's the end of the line for him. And it's it's too bad because, I mean, he doesn't quit on plays, and I really like watching him play. Like on the tape, it's exciting because he just like never gives up and just keeps pushing and pushing and pushing. But there might just be nothing left for him, and that's too bad. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited about the, uh, the the Shaquem Griffin becoming the new Jacob Martin. That's what I, that's what I want to see, and I think that's what we're heading. So Erica, okay, so Kevin running down running him down the defensive lineman Al Woods, great game. I agree. Puna Ford, Brandon Jackson. The, I mean, the defensive line just looked really good. Jaron Reed had the ultimate Jaron Reed game. He had multiple run stops, multiple sacks, multiple hurries. Just kind of did a little bit of everything. Uh, Quentin Jefferson had a really good game, except for the one like. That extended the, the one penalty that wasn't a penalty that extended. I was about the to say I refused to say that was a problem for him because he got penalized for being a defensive lineman. Yeah, that that was only the second worst call for the Seahawks in the game, though. Is was that, it the second worst? It might have been like the third or fourth worst. That easy, that easy punt punt return that gave him 15 yards. The yeah, but that, what about the Trey Flowers uh, defensive pass interference but, when he didn't touch him? That that was bad too. But the Nico Thorpe one was really annoying to me because he did exactly what they're asking him to do yeah he did everything correctly and then and then he makes the tackle and if they don't get those 15 yards right there they don't make it into field goal range and the game ends in regulation like that 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 was the last drive that was the the end of the game it's just stupid i hate i hate the 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 rules right now that it's just like so ticky tacky. Anytime any guy lowers their head, they're in danger of getting a 15 yard penalty. Even if they like whiff on the tackle, like Quentin Jefferson did on that play, he like didn't even barely touch the guy. Well, they're well going he specifically to... went out of the way to not touch him because Garoppolo was already down. He didn't want to get a penalty for landing on him. So instead, he kind of rolled to the side and his shoulder kind of got in there a little bit, but like he didn't hit him. Well, you're, uh, and you're then targeting on the, other the hand, you're targeting pads, and then if the player anticipates you coming in, they brace themselves, so they bend forward, and it almost initiates helmet to helmet contact. You know, it's ridiculous. Let's talk refs right now. So there were some egregious calls in this game. I think there were many instances where it felt like if there was a 50-50 call, it went in the 49ers' favor, generally, with the exception of probably one. Um, you can make the argument the. Uh, first down on the run where Mostert landed on his own guy uh, and they called it uh, not a first down. If you want to argue that one, that's fine. But otherwise, uh, probably the most egregious was not whistling Russell Wilson when he was surrounded by six linemen and they were waiting for him to get the ball out on the eventual Effetti fumble that was a game-changing play. And then whistling him on the second down play when he was in process of breaking out of a single defensive lineman and 
Did you did you hear Pete? Carroll? That was insane. Did you hear Pete Carroll making fun of Effetti in the press conference? No, he no. was he was like, I get why he tried to run, but he should. <laughs> and, then, and then he was like, and then he's like, he said what we were all thinking. He's like, uh, and I'm really glad to watching back on the tape that he didn't grab the ball out of Russ's hands because if he did, <laughs> that's what I thought too until I watched the replay. That's yeah. great. Yeah, no, the the there were just there were so many. The Russ's slide pieces. Russ's slide. Were two Russ's guys, slide and getting two guys, hit in the head. Yeah, two guys targeted him. That was that was the number one worst call for me. There were just there were a lot of those moments, and this was an extremely poorly called game. But I want to give a lot of credit to the Seahawks because this is the type of game, uh, very poorly called, on the road against a really tough physical team. This is the type of game the last two years that we've lost. And the fact that this team won this game, I think that means quite a bit to me. People want to bring up probably, uh, like, there's going to be people who want to bring up Emmanuel Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders, before going out, was not having a great game. Emmanuel Sanders, before going out, he caught uh, two catches on four targets for a handful of yards in a first down. Um, so, yes, that definitely impacted their pass game. But I don't think it changed the outcome, definitely not more than the penalties did. So, both teams had some things that they were facing in this game, and the fact that the Seahawks came away with a win, and the fact that the defense was able to buckle down when they needed to, uh, man, how did they call up this pass rush? They were getting pressure with four guys all the time. Clowney was playing out of his mind. They could not put someone over there that could block him. They, I think that San Francisco, I think the Seahawks realized something about San Francisco's offense that San Francisco didn't know, which is that you got to force them to throw and make Jimmy Garoppolo beat you. And so they didn't play any big nickel. There was 83 snaps from safeties, from the two safeties, from McDougal, then from Diggs. By the way, Eric, Diggs, Diggs, what'd you think? What's your early review? I know you love safety play. Come on, man. Uh, he seemed like, what, he started at free, and Doug started, uh, sorry, Brad started at uh, Strong. At strong. Yeah. I thought that was a really great move by Pete Carroll. Uh, I'm in love. <laughs> and not just because of the pick. Uh, I couldn't get. I didn't get a chance to like just watch him a lot. Uh, I'll tell you real, right now, he's a real hitter. When Quim came in, I was watching Quim every play because that was just really exciting for me, and it kind of it soothed my heart that was you know palpitating too much in that game. Uh, yeah, Diggs. He seems to be in the best position at all times. Uh, this is his first game, and he made a mark. He made one bad play. Which ones? Uh, when he crashed in on the oh, slant yeah. pattern and took out Trey Flowers instead mm, of his guy yeah. and gave up a lot of yardage. I think it was on a Debo Samuel slant. Yeah. And that was his. That was the only play where he was noticeably out of position and didn't play it well. Otherwise, he reminds me a lot of Brad in that he was just, he was a steady hand. He, he was like where bigger you wanted Brad, to be. Yeah. He did what you expected him to do. More, more decisive Tedrick Thompson. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll say uh, this. It was like if Tedrick Thompson was confident in what he was doing. Yeah, Tedrick Thompson is just not a fast processor, man. He processes too slow. The the um, the safeties look good, and I think that. But like I said, we's noticed something about San Francisco that they didn't maybe even know, which is that you just shut down the run. They their their whole offense kind of revolves around this this uh, chunk yardage that they can get in the run game. And, and oh boy, did we! They and they they got a few, you know, they got a few, a little bit of chunk yardage every once in a while. That would seem like it was good going, and then all of a sudden it would just dry up. Matt Breda, what? ten attempts, eighteen yards. Coleman had forty yards on nine attempts, but twenty-two came on his long run. Right. So his other eight runs had a combined eighteen yards. And then Monster hit for like four and a half a, a, 
uh, carry, and he was. But smart. he was also propped up by like a nine yard run. So this is like overall, they got a handful of chunk plays, and otherwise, we're getting just dirt. Yeah. Well, if they they didn't run into the luck they had, meaning the the turnovers we had, the bad penalties, this would be more of a blowout, and that's in line with what we wanted. You got to give Pete Carroll. We give him some shit on the show. He had a really great coaching week. He found a way to shut down the Niners. You're gonna look now after you know a team plays Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Team take teams take note. They're like, okay, this is this is what Bill Belichick did against this team. This is how they beat him. This is now the book that people are gonna take against the San Francisco 49ers. Against the hard part of their schedule. And I would say too that we didn't reveal anything about their defense. Let's go. Let's get right into it. I don't. I thought the offense had a very uh, mediocre day. It was fine. It's not great, but I mean, you lose five fumbles, you lose, you throw an interception. Like that's a, that's a tough, that's a tough day for the Seahawks offense. And I thought, you know, there were times when we, there were stretches where we moved the ball pretty decently. But like Kevin said, the explosive passing game was just not really there. Yeah, we were the, 0 for three on 20 plus yard passes. Four for six for 69 yards in the 10 to 20 range. This is all about the underneath, and I think part of it was not having And I think they took away Chris Carson a little bit. Only 59 of his yards came after contact. Only three broken tackles in this game. It was not his best work. It was not the uh, Chris Carson that maybe we have come to expect him to get like five yards against all odds in this game. They tackled really well. They shut down a lot of what we were trying to do, and it's because their defensive line is outstanding. And because they didn't rely on and, Quan Alexander to make a tackle. And Quan Alexander's gone. Exactly, dude. It's just Fred Warner now. Fred Warner's awesome. Okay, they, but seriously, their defense is good, and it's something that we're going to have to contend with all year because when you take a really talented defense like this who's got two corners operating at a really high level, um, they're getting really, really good play out of Jaquiski Tart right now, even though I don't think he's like a great safety but like he played really good in this game and seems to be kind of coming along. And yeah, he got a little help on that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. I agree, but I mean, still he he looks pretty solid and he is he is a good player. He's kind of what we wanted Tedrick to be. Yes, I think that's exactly right. He's what we want Tedrick to be. They're getting great play from their slot cornerback. They're getting good play from Richard Sherman. This Juan is Juan Williams is giving him a lot in the middle. Yeah, exactly. They they they're a team now K-1. that they're a team that's like Mildly, honestly, I would not want to go to San Francisco in the playoffs again. But I'd love I would. To have him come I here. wouldn't mind coming come back though, because I do think that this is a pretty, pretty even matchup. The thing, is, the biggest difference for me is, is that I don't know if there's a lot of room for growth at the San Francisco. We might have seen the best version of the 49ers that we've seen, and I'm not sure that this is the best version of the Seahawks. Agreed. I think that there is room for growth on both. On both offense and defense, especially for this defense. So the de- I think the More defense of this could, week. could could be like as good as it was this week every week, and the offense. I mean, this was like a, the vanilla version of our offense, the uh, the diet coke version of our offense. Also, uh, Jimmy G, he's got a little bit of Jared Goff in him. Oh, oh, oh that's very <laughs> that's very polite of you. Because I was gonna go worse than that. He's got a little bit of that Jameis Winston in him. Well, I was gonna. Oof. I was that gonna turnover say, DNA. All right, fine. If you want to get really mean about it, he's got a little bit of Mitchell Trubisky in yeah. him because this dude can't air it out and he crumbles under pressure. Except I take it back, Mitch Trubisky can run. I mean, other than a couple really notable, bad, notably bad pass blocks, I thought that generally these guys did pretty good. Carson was probably the most consistently 
bad pass blocker of the on the team, and that's kind of becoming a pattern for me. Also, Russell Wilson I'm, calling the uh, yeah, that one protection coverage. You some called of his like, protections were not good calls. Uh, I was like, that's still something he's you like watch with. that play, and you're you're like, dude, you called that protection, and then four guys came in unblocked. Like that's you, <laughs> that's on you, man. You got <laughs> called better protections. I think you misread that one, bro. Um, but yeah, I Carson's pass blocking is like all over the place for me, and I would really like to see yeah Penny going into fumble jail hurt. I would really like class blocking better or CJ process man CJ process will just like throw a dude every once in a while. Yeah, it, Travis really Homer. Happy. Travis Homer can block. Yeah, that the car uh, Carson. I called for Homer in the group chat. Really wanted to see him because I wanted to see if we could get someone there who could hold onto the ball and block. Uh, can I talk a little bit in praise of a couple players? Sure, please. Uh, Hollister had a fantastic game. We are leaning on him pretty heavy. Eight catches on ten targets for 62 yards. 52 of them running after the catch. Five first downs and a touchdown. Um, he was extremely productive. And then Drift well, King Metcalf. Tight, tight end snaps in this game. 38 for Hollister. 13 for Wilson. And 15 for George Fant. And three for Malik Turner. Yeah. yeah. Tight end Malik, Malik Turner. Malik Turner lined up in line three times. That's how desperate they were to not use Luke Wilson. And Malik Turner. Well, he also got hurt. <laughs> yeah, Malik Turner also kidding. blocked. I'm just kidding. He's Malik Turner's a good player. Like I get why he's, I he's get a why really he's here solid now. fourth or fifth wide receiver. I get why he's here. He's a good special teamer. Everyone loves him. He works really hard and he can make a couple plays every once in a while. Kevin, I think uh, I'm yeah, gonna confirm he's that. a fourth because he some of the catches some of the catches he made, I I feel like I owe him a little more respect. Moore is not reliable. I think Turner's more reliable than Moore, I would tend to agree. Yeah. And JB and, has disappeared off the roster. And who's a be- who's a better dancer? Uh, JB was inactive in this game. I don't know if that's a that's a healthy inactive. That's worrying. That I, I feel would like get, that's a Ed Dixon's going to take his roster. Man, he is not. He is not fitting in on. Is this Dixon team. just done? Like they could have activated him two weeks ago. I don't really know what's going on there. Uh, I think that they wanted to wait for the buy. It's it's really weird though, right? I agree, but we are also have we we're banged up at receiver and everything. Now we got Gordon in. We've been doing a lot of roster moving. I think this was intentional. I think they're not sure how much treads on the tire, though. I would tend to agree with that. Um, there were, I think, th- I would say one of JB or Dixon is not going to be on the roster and uh, come after the bye. Uh, so uh, the other one is Drifting Metcalf. Yeah, DK. Uh, DK six catches on ten targets for seventy yards, forty-two yak, and I know it resulted in a fumble, but we had a little conversation online. I. Uh, and I would tend to agree with the take that that's one of the plays that tells me what I want DK to be as he matures. That was physical, toe-tapping on the sideline. Like, his blend of power and speed is unique. There are just not a lot of receivers that have the physical tools that DK is working with, and he is working with them at a higher level than we anticipated coming in. Uh, Tyler Lockett went down with a pretty nasty bruise that prevented him from traveling. Gordon wasn't quite ready. That's why he only had two targets and he didn't get a ton of snaps. We needed DK to step up and be basically our number one receiver for a long stretch of this game. And he was functional in that role in a way that I would not have expected even early in the season. Uh, He was what we needed him to be today, and I appreciated it. All right, so the, the Jason Myers redemption story began in earnest this week. Some great kicking from Jason. Uh, now he is, he's won us the game. Uh, his his magical leg, and uh, he's just his magical employment continues. On it. Yeah. So then uh, let's look at DVOA. Okay, we're fourth now in the league in in path in uh, offense. 
22nd in defense and 28th in special teams. That 22nd's a big jump up from yep. 20 from 29th, I think, last week. So, and I, I if, I, if I'm being honest, I do think if this defense is well coached and they come in with game plans as good as the one that they did this week, what they need to do is be able to show that they're willing to be flexible with their personnel depending on the opponent. If we run that same three linebacker look out there against a team that doesn't run as good as the 49ers, we're going to get killed. And so what we need to see is the team continue to adjust week to week. And, and please try someone besides Taylor. Yeah, just Jamar Taylor. I I wish that there was some better option there. Man, for I us. thought Jamar Taylor. No thought we'd see them back better. at the end of him. There's no way that Amadi's not better, or that putting Blair in and putting Diggs at big nickel isn't better. Like, there's no way. Yeah. I just I just cannot be convinced. And okay, let's talk about that. There's also, that. the best version of our offensive line does not include Joey Hunt at center. So I'm hoping to see that being a shift coming out of the bye too. So what are you, are you looking for, Phil Haynes? Then you looking for a beefy boy? Uh, I think Posich still has a chance of coming back. Posich, he's, not, I, he's not full IR. I thought Posich is full IR, uh, but he but that but he like can he's still come back. to return. I thought. Yeah, well, you can always. You, they don't have that anymore. Now you can just bring you can return certain. Ones you can return certain a certain number of people. Right. So he was placed on IR on October 11th. Um, and he is eligible to return. It's like week thirteen or something. Yeah, it's gonna be later. Um, it's it's gonna be a lot later. I don't really know. It's it's pretty far away. And then Jamarco Jones. Uh, week fourteen. Week fourteen. You can come back week fourteen. And then what's the update on Jamarco Jones's injury situation? Because I think getting Postage back. Jamarco Jones, Phil Haynes. We need a little bit of help on the offensive line. Uh, Upati, it continues to be a weak spot for us. And Hunt had a horrible game. If if he's squaring off against a team that has really physical, strong uh, uh, nose tackles, he just can't handle it. He doesn't have the bulk, and he doesn't have the anchor. He... Yeah, what, can't win with technique on that. But I mean, he only gave up two pressures in this game. They were just really bad. Like you're just like, well, he was getting like, pushed around all game though. You're like, whoa, if that guy was bigger, he might have stopped there. But uh, yeah, he just got kind of ran over. It's uh, it's tough though. I mean, we're in we're in a bad spot. Like we have a lot of injuries along the line, and it's it sucks because I think the team came in with a plan this year. You know, we're gonna start Britt. We're gonna groom Postage for that job. It's going to be We're his gonna job. We're going to start Upati and Fluker and have stable veterans and yeah. bring along a beefy boy. Yeah, bring along Phil Haynes. Next year. And then we have Jamarco for quality depth and we have, you know, Fant for quality depth. And then everything's been getting blown up this year because guys just keep getting hurt, keep getting hurt. And uh, it's tough. It's tough. You want your offensive line to play all the games together. It's one of the, I think it's one of the places on the field that you can get the most benefit from consistency. Yeah, that in secondary. So. You know, maybe just have maybe just stick with Hunt. You know, although throughout the way, even though I do think Postage is more talented, uh, coming back out of Week 14, maybe you just you just ride it out with Hunt. Um, and Phil Haynes did take snaps at center, so that's ba- he's basically our backup center at this point. Uh, I don't see. And any- that's big, as in he's really big. It's big, as in the center. We don't have a back. We didn't have a backup center. Who would have played center if he if without Phil Haynes? Fan. Robanias. You really think Fan would have played center? No. Like, I just don't know. Our long snapper? I don't know. Oh, yeah. It probably would have been Tyler Ott or something That's crazy. That's not good. That's something not good at all. crazy like that. Yeah. They would have just done something nuts. Because they didn't really have an, a backup center on their roster anymore. You potty. Slide yeah, him over I or something. Or Fluker. One of those guys probably It would have been something that no one wants to see. Yeah. Oh, it's ugly. What? Yep. Yeah, Phil Haynes is ugly, too, though. That's not good. Uh, I don't think that that... I don't... No one saw Phil Haynes and thought, that guy's a center. That's a, that's a guard. That guy looks like a guard. He is a guard. 
Or a wide body tackle. No, he's a guard. And he's a mauler. I love I love the beefy boys. Let's we should try to go get more of them. Um okay. Beefy boys. Any life. any final uh, 49ers versus Seahawks thoughts before we go big picture and do our, uh, our early bye week topic. You guys you guys ready? Or do you guys have any final thoughts on that game? Uh no. Right. Uh I guess I want to kind of finish back on DK. Uh you praised him a lot. I want to praise him for all the things he did wrong in this game. Because I feel like DK has kind of been riding this wave of being unstoppable. The whole jumping up and catching uh, balls around people has really worked out for him. Uh, creating separation at the end. It didn't always work in this game, but he fought through it. And I was really proud of DK that not every game is going to go your way. Because I feel like it. I'd say for the last six weeks it's almost been a little easy for him. And this was a lot harder. Uh, there were some some learning moments, and this game may may kind of crush that DK Cole into a DK Diamond. Nicely played. I liked it. No, seriously, I really. It's one of those things where, hey man, you you're young and you have a lot to learn, but this game is actually going to really transform you. Plus, plus he wears a pinky. <laughs> Look, when I think about <laughs> when I think about Drift King Metcalf, I think about the problems that he has are fixable problems and that's something that i like about it you know i, I love that he didn't turn up field in the group chat you were like have you seen his three cone drill no i he, i said and then some uh, i said uh, i said dk why did you turn and, and then, then i wrote to show off his three cone no you said to show off to show off his turning something i said yeah. did you see his three cone time there you go <laughs> that's my response to to everything that's why i'm calling him drift king because drift king in tokyo drift was uh was put as dk and what was the thing that made uh you know, uh, Sean Boswell unstoppable when great, he figured out how to drift. Great turning, yeah. We had to figure out that turning skill, and so eventually, uh, DK Metcalf will figure it out. He'll become he'll become the true drift king, and then his uh, his toolbox will be unlimited. He'll have all the tools. All right. He'll he'll be a, a regular snap on man. Okay. There is a uh, a special teams elephant in the room. Uh, I think we're is all. Is it that Myers isn't very good? No, it's that Michael Dixon isn't as good as last year. I mean, yeah, but also Myers isn't very good. Myers is fine. <laughs> He's like aggressively okay. But all the like, here's the thing. Look at the last field goal Chase McLaughlin kicked. Like uh-huh. Jason Myers has not kicked any that look like that. Like he's done some like slight ref, slight left, slight right. He needs a little recalibration. I will agree with you there. But there, you see what we're working with. Chase McLaughlin, when he kicked that last kick, I I like instantly was like, I guess we know why that guy was sitting on the couch last week. Like that yep. was that was horrible. That was like the uh, epic shank. That was a real bad kick, alright. Yeah, that's, that was like Anna Vinatieri bad. Yeah, Adam Vinatieri that that <laughs> couple weeks ago when he just shanked that one to win the game. We, that's a phrase you can say now. Yeah, without being ironic. It's funny because all the other kicks were so beautiful. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm just. Uh, I'm. I just admire fine. He's not. He's not great. And he. If he. But if he like. Let's say he just bangs it the rest of the year and makes everything. I think we'll look back and say, oh, okay, he got off to a mediocre start, or he just needed a little. Needed some small adjustments. I still think that last week, not before the Niners game, was the bad game. You know, where against Tampa Bay when he had that one at home, he should have got. Before that, he's been kicking into the wind. Uh, kind of. You know, a lot of rainy weather games. I'm not. I'm not saying he should be making those all the time. That's why he's the number one kicker in the league, payment-wise. But I will give him the benefit of the doubt, especially after this Monday night performance against the 49ers. All right, so Michael Dixon, 10th uh, in return percentage, 3rd uh, in kicks inside the 20. Uh, he's right around top 10 in 
net yardage per punt. I mean, no, he's not as amazing as he was last year, which was a Pro Bowl level punter. But we also know that punter is one of those positions where uh, there's a lot of variability. I mean, he's still hanging around the top 10 in hang time. He's he's hanging around the top 10 in a lot of areas on a rookie deal. So I, I don't know. I, he just doesn't concern me that much. I'm not that worried about it. There are a couple of shanks that were horrible, including the one this game where he got a re-kick and just shanked it. Poorly. We'll talk too many touchbacks. Uh, like, he has four touchbacks already A lot year. of those touchbacks are misplaced by the coverage team, though, he's, too, he's, where if they would get behind him, they have a chance. He's, he's allowing, like, seven yards. He's allowed a couple decent returns, and that's just all because he, like, you know, over over kicks. People return their kicks more often against him than almost anyone else in the league. He's he's like he's been good but not great. And I just think like if we're gonna make the leap, like both guys, we need to see Jason Myers from this week and we need to see more Michael Dixon from last year. Because those hidden yards are, are really not not helping or they're not helping us out. They're making games close that shouldn't be close. I don't know, man. I'm clinging to Pun Hub on this one. I'm about to ride or die with my boy Pun Hub. I love Michael Dixon. I just think he's been. And the reason we, we why need the is last year we need last year Michael Dixon. I think I think we need a coverage team that downs it better as part of it. Like if you look, the number of kicks he has inside the twenty, and the number of kicks he has that have been downed by our players, it's a ridiculously low percentage compared to other kickers. Um, our coverage unit is not handling that like area between the 10 and the goal line very well yeah his net punting average is 26th in the league like it's just he's out but his yards per attempt aren't and his hang time is top 10 his yards so per there's attempt plenty is of hang time uh he's also tied for 11th but he's like a, what less than 0. 0.05 seconds out of like seventh or something i don't know that he's he's a half second behind top five no he's more no more more than a half a second behind top five. He, he's just fine. He's fine. I mean, I guess what... He's not a half a... That's not how... What 4.51 minus 4.45, Kevin. That is point zero, oh, point zero six. Yeah, yes. I'm, I'm off by a tenth. Yes, thank you. What, <laughs> but what changed for Michael Dixon? Work. I mean, it's not like he's injured. It's not like he got stupider. I think it's... I feel like he well, has... Who cares about significant digits? Anyway. He has... <laughs> he has less of a... Uh, he has a tighter pocket when he kicks this year, and that's not necessarily a good thing. I feel like the the crowds are coming in a lot faster. He seems to be getting the ball out quicker, and he's not handling it perfectly. Like he's he's not like his those shanks are inexcusable. That's not something that do, he should. It have. just doesn't look as good. Like, but I don't know. We what know it is. I know he can be better. That's why like, I want. Is, I want to go. What back is he to doing wrong? What, what changed? What's he doing? He has Brian Schneider as our special teams coach. Thank you. Hashtag oh. fire Brian he's, Schneider. His his hashtag yard, Schneider sucks. His yards per attempt is two point two less than last year. Yes. Um, his... No, I'm saying he was playing at an elite level last year, and now he's just pretty good. And so it's disappointing to see him drop to pretty good. Uh, part like, of it, I think, is the coverage units, but part of it is that he's not kicking as well. I agree. He only had five touchbacks all of last year. He already has four this year. That's the thing that I've noticed the most is that he never put it into the end zone last year. He was so accurate at like getting it close. But not getting into the end zone, and I'm just not... and he's not putting the spin on it the same way, and it just doesn't. I wonder if he's almost overthinking it, like yeah. he tried to get a little bit more perfect. Brian Schneider's starting to get into his head, like That's he true. was a rookie <laughs> and he was good, and then now he's spent like he's too had much more time of our with... NFL coaching. Yeah. Schneider and it's just really, too much. really hurting him. Hey, this is how one you thing get is his hang time last year was like way less. 
but like so it makes me think like well maybe the hang time thing is something he's focusing on this year and he shouldn't be he's trying to put more air under it to because we have this really fast coverage crew so he wants to get let people get down there and what's happening is that he's uh, like not able to gauge like, how far it will like, go as precisely as like the line drives. It's like changing what he's doing. I mean, this uh, this last game was like the craziest hang time game, one of the craziest hang time game of his whole career. Over four seven, that's yeah. dumb. And like, but it was like not great, like forty net average, and he he did one touchback and and that horrible shank. shank. And like, it's just I wanted to see, I want to see him do something different. <laughs> like go back to last year, just erase what Brian Schneider has told you. <laughs> from your, rule for from your brain. Uh, any uh, anything else? Uh, oh yeah. So that I want to see special teams step it up. Uh, Nico Thorpe and the boys just easy. get it all get it all together. Easy. And then uh, they tried. The rest wouldn't allow. That's my that's my uh, biggest challenge. So heading in the second half or the post by era of the season, we're now what ten ten games in eight and two seven. Yep yep. We're ten games in. We have six games to go. What are you looking for over the course of the last? Six weeks. Obviously, I've already kind of revealed mine. I'm looking for spe- the special teams to go from uh, 29th to 15th. That's kind of my my big goal for the Seahawks. I think if they do that, the hidden yards gained kind of thing will be so significant that we'll see kind of a jump from the team, even if they even if they don't um, improve in any other way. So that's what I'm looking for. That's my uh, my big goal for the Seahawks coming in out of the bye. Eric, what are you looking for for the, from the Seahawks coming out of the bye? What do you want to see them them go? Where do you want to see them go? What do you want to see them improve? We ended the first half, meaning before the bye, because it's ten games. It isn't exactly half the season, but the first half of the season on such a beautiful note. Lots of struggles, bad turnovers, mediocre quarterback play, but a big turn for our defense. I want consistency going forward. We don't need to have the best line. We just need to have a better line than we've had in the past years. Joy Hunt can stay at center because that's probably our best option, unfortunately. But I I would like a little more consistency from him. Effetti not having penalties, that's good consistency. Dwayne Brown being on the field, this is all consistency on the offensive line. The defensive line. Look at what we did this week. Supposedly KJ had everyone... Ha- you know, come together for the come to Jesus talk. Jadavian Clowney t- chimed in and said, I'm going to show you what I can do. I'm he did. Pl- I'm going to play balls to the wall, whatever. He did. This is really important going forward. Consistency. Eric, do you think Jermaine Effetti leads the league in the pressures allowed? You know, if you're going to lead me with a question, I'm going to say perhaps. No. No, he's second. He's oh. 39. And the <laughs> I guy, knew that was the answer. The guy in first has 40. <laughs> And the guy, the, the guy, guy in, the, the guy, guy in first is Mikey Potty. Okay. The guy in tenth has twenty eight though, so that, that should tell you something about how poorly uh, it's going there. Yeah, and I think consistency is a big deal, and you're right on it. And we are, we are eight and two. We have six games left. We I, have a win on the division leaders. Did it feel good? ideally? Hold on, ideally, I would like and realistically four more wins. Did it? Where where are those four going to come from, and realistically, what are we looking at? Oh, we'll what? talk that next. Yeah, week. Okay, that's next, that's next week. Okay, but I am all the ready the, about that. The the um, did it feel good to have a win where we didn't feel like Russell Wilson just drug us kicking and screaming to the victory, as opposed to like the last couple wins where it felt like, hey, this one guy is making us win, and everything else is kind of going wrong. It felt like our defense won that game, and that felt very different and very good this year. I feel like. Russ played well enough to put the team in a position to win, and the defense won it. 
I'll say the defense definitely kept us in this game and, and were the stars of the show. I still felt like Russ gave us this win because every time we had the ball, it was like, okay, what's Russ going to do? And every time Carson had the ball, I went, uh, only because, what did I say uh, last week? This guy's going to have five more fumbles throughout the season. Well, guess what? He already had two this game. Yeah, he got a little Amon Green Man, in. the, fumble, the yeah, fumbles in this game was he's, insane. He's, he's got an Amon Green in each arm, Kevin. Uh, Kevin, what's your big what's your big, uh, your big wish for the Seahawks this uh this fourth quarter of the season, let's call it that. You know, we're uh, we're halfway through Pete Vember, moving into Pete's Ember, and is that, is that how it works? You just, that's how it works. Oh, it's okay. Pete both times. Okay. Did we just end? Uh, we could make a we could make a Pete, like a Christmas caroling Pete Tember, joke too, but I'm not Pete, going to. Pete Tober. No, Pete Vember. No. When does Pete Carroll really turn it on? It's just, it's November December. Um, Pete. Pete Uary. We are a second half of the season We team. can only pray for Pete Uary. Uh, Eric, Pete Nathan, Ru- we Pete. are a second half of the season team. Pete Uary. It's not, it's not how you start, Kevin. You know, I can't, wait for, the, I can't wait for the draft this peep, <laughs> but it's Peepril. Perch. You know? Perpril. Purple. Yeah, I said Peepril. Those are, those are like Schneider that. months. Yeah, those are Schneider the draft months. is in Peepril. Uh, That's right. It would be Schneipril. Prune? Do you like prune? No. <laughs> no one likes prune. <laughs> And don't fucking get me started on Prulai. <laughs> Frogist. <laughs> Peer. Peer. Well, this is officially the dumbest thing that we've done in a long yeah, time. That's a bad bit. This bit sucks. <laughs> we cut it, but, but we all know that's not going to happen. Yeah, that takes time that's for me to edit. That's more editing than It takes gonna... more time to me to edit it out than it's worth. Yo, this is, Some, not, this the, is what, not the paid podcast, and you get what you pay for. Two two out of 2,000 people will like that bit, and that's good enough for that's me. That's good yes. enough, and they're all in this yes, room. That's how much, <laughs> sorry, Eric. That's how much hang time Michael Dixon is losing by comparing the time. See what you do for us, Michael. All right, so, but in all seriousness, uh, Pete knows how to turn the key on a defense in the last part of a season. He tends to put his hands more into what's going on. It's that annoying thing where he likes to sort of feel out what the team can do for the first several weeks and then start tuning into what he thinks are the strengths of the team. The benefit of that is we're sitting at eight and two with what's normally our best football now. This is when we turn it on, November, December, and we're playing against the toughest part of our schedule. But I don't see a single game left on our schedule where I don't think we are as good or better than our opponent. If you were to say that we win out out of the next six, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. So. With that in mind, what I'm looking for is I want the Seahawks defense to have Pete Carroll's stamp on it over the next six weeks. That means that our coverage is in place, even if it's not making all the plays. That means our pass rush is looking more creative with very timely blitzing. I want to see the type of defense I've come to expect from this team. And... I want it to be paired with zero throttling back of the offense. The only throttling the offense should be doing is with both hands wrapped around the opponent's throat. Yeah, I all think, gas, no breaks. I think we finally saw Pete Carroll loosen up his like strict adherence, strict adherence to the run. This team plays out of the shotgun all the time. They throw a lot. Um, they even the run is more to set up the pass and, than anything. And else. I think we can all admit now that I think everyone can agree they could be on my side now. 
which is this was not Daryl Bevel's fault. We look at the Lions' offense. Like, just go look at what they're doing with Daryl Bevel. In all fairness, I blame Tom Cable far more than I blamed Daryl Bevel. I mean, but I'm just saying. I think I can take a W on this one finally. Because if you look at the Lions' offense and what they're doing, and then you look at what happened over here where it took Schottenheimer, what, a whole year to convince Pete that, hey, let's put the hands in the, the ball in the hands of the best player in the NFL. You know, we finally did it though. Now, now the Russ gets to Russ gets to do whatever he wants, basically. Well, you know, by salary, Jared Goff's better, and that's clearly been a good fi- a good financial decision. Mm, I don't know, man. The Rams are the Rams is like a thought experiment, and like, can you build a team by only paying four dudes? Because it's like their whole their but whole they all salary cap good, be and their quarterback's Goff. not. The the problem is that Gurley is not what he used to be. More Lord than is Goff. Goff, he is gone. Goff Goff is like young Goff is and Andy Dalton malleable, but like. Goff, Goff's not really was four like weeks nothing. ago. Um, and then Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, they're going to have all their salary cap in those four dudes. Yep. Like 80% of their salary cap. And only the defensive ones are actually worth it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think Aaron Donald's worth it. Aaron Donald. I don't even know if Jalen Ramsey But I don't know if Jalen Ramsey is. I think Jalen Ramsey is a top three corner or has the ability to be. Okay. But he's such a malcontent. Anyway, this is not from the Rams horn. So, uh, yeah, I want to see I mean, that's us. Our, that's, our, that's our, like, sub-rival. We have, uh, now we have, we've kind of dominated them, but we should probably think about them some. Secondary rival? Secondary rival. Uh, the 49ers are back. I actually kind of like They're that. back are being they a rival. Like the, are they kind of like the McRib? You know, no, they're the, kind of like Shady. They only come back when the, when the pork is cheap? They're only good with pickles. The dehydrated onions <laughs> make them good. better? Uh, they're whole stadium smells like dehydrated onion uh Did, i hate how they kept talking about how great their stadium was oh it and was they, so funny as someone who's and been it was to, just dead in there as someone who's People been to it, an event at at levi stadium it is it is bullshit it san is francisco not fans stadium. hate that stadium too it is not good yeah, but how does santa clara fans feel about it uh, <laughs> i mean it's not it's not the coliseum which is like literally a dump but it's close yeah the coliseum literally has is a toilet as in like the entire thing smells like a toilet but yeah, that's my big thing. I want us to see us keep throttling up the offense, and I want to see the defense look... Again, we're not going to have a top 10 defense, but I think we can have a defense that looks like a Pete Carroll defense, where blitzes are timely, where coverage is uh, sensible, and that makes plays when plays need to be made. All right. Like this week. Let's do, uh, let's do some uh, patrons. Uh, you want to support the Seahawks Nest podcast. There are many ways to do so. Best way... Head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks and for as little as $1.24 a month. Gain access to me doing a really bad Chris, Chris Berman impression while I give you my picks. And doing a great Teej impression. Yeah, and then, uh, so, and uh, thank <laughs> you. Thanks to those people. Who, well, and Nate, also, well. you can check out the group chat. Um, make sure if you can't find the link, just message us on Patreon. We'll send it over. James, Tom, Lucas, Carrie, Richard, Bob, Kieran, Brett, Mike, David, Flocktimus, Keith, Michelle, Brian, Mark, Gavin, Matt, Michael, Josh, Frank, Nick and all the other Patreons. You guys are awesome helping us out. You also, if you're dirt poor and you can't afford anything, head over to iTunes. Head over to iTunes and give us a five-star review. It helps us gain visibility, helps people find the podcast, and, uh, you know, it's fun, I guess. I don't know. You can, like, make fun of me on there. I'm, I'm in for it. We're Again, at- we understand how much of a pain in the butt it is to do these Nin- reviews, and we appreciate you. 97 uh, five-star ratings. Well, three, now, isn't so it? Three, three away from 100 and... Uh, let's see that would put us 323 away from our ultimate goal that's so right. uh, okay yeah uh a day woo 
Okay, let's talk uh, our movie club this week. Uh, we're going through our list of fives, our five fives, our, our ten list of five for the decade. We'll come up with our top ten at the end. Today's category is... God, narrowing list of ten ac- is going to suck. Action movies. Uh, this is uh, a genre of bangers this decade. Yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun one. Just, this is... a. Um, this is uncorking the offense under Russell Wilson because it is all chunk plays. Okay, now people are gonna ask, are starting to ask. People are starting to wonder where are all the superhero movies? Where is? So we talked about it kind of in advance, and we decided that the 2010s was kind of like the decade of the superhero movie. And also, and, Nathan and I don't like superhero movies that much. I'll be so honest. Make any other list? Like I, I wouldn't have put them on any of these lists anyway. So. Uh, we decided though before it started, instead of like casually mentioning like, "Hey, we liked Black Panther the best," or like, "Hey, we liked Endgame the best," uh, at the end of the action podcast of the superhero movies, we're just gonna do like one superhero episode where we talk about why The Dark Knight Rises is the best superhero movies of the 2010s and make everyone <laughs> mad. And I'm really excited about it. So get ready. I might have a different take than that. Get, get your get your anger ready because uh, I'm I'm ready for the hate mail. Okay, my man. 2000 2010s action about why eric's dog is the best movie action action movies eric hit me up what you got all right you always come with a nice list of like seven or eight movies and i wanted to hear first i appreciate that because uh you guys were talking about how you had a bunch of bangers and kevin's like i got a list of 32 and i tried to go pretty conservative and i like earlier you were talking before the podcast began it'd be cool to have a movie that did this uh you know one that's funny, one that's meaningful. So here we go, in no particular order. Maybe I'll start at the bottom. I don't know. Now you're here. <laughs> but now you're here. Here I am. Uh, I'm going to go, fun movie. It's dumb, but I want to put it on the list because I truly enjoyed it. The Expendables. It's an action movie. It is dumb. It's a return to 80s mayhem. That's on the outside looking in. It is dumb. It I is extremely dumb. And I'm not putting two and three in there. Uh, I just like the first Those one. Those are dumber. Yeah. Uh, a movie that certainly wasn't smart, but was way more fun and uh, more of an original idea. Let's go with Kingsman. Uh, Kingsman is a movie. Uh, the franchise is fine, but uh, the first Kingsman movie was. Uh, Can I level my Kingsman criticism right now? Just yeah, get it sure, out of the way. absolutely. Those movies are juvenile. Like, oh, of course I, they are. I, uh, Can I level my criticism of your criticism. What? Don't care. Yeah, I just don't. <laughs> I just don't. Those movies are like... The first one, I thought the action was on point and really well done. They're really well and shot. it doesn't bother me. They're juvenile. really the well shot. The second one was much worse than the first one. But I thought the first one was every bit the action movie that I, I wanted. I just like... I thought they're both like like good movies. Like I would think they're solid, but like... I don't... They're really easy to watch. I'm it's not, like a chocolate vanilla swirl cone. It's a you kind can't of, complain. It's the kind of movie like you catch on HBO while you're doing something and you like just pick it up wherever it is and watch it. It's not like the kind of movie that I'm... Like gonna actively try to put on. That's just kind of the way I I feel about it. You so know? it's like that song that comes on the radio and you don't change a channel, but you just like you also aren't gonna buy the CD. Yeah. I'm okay. Just, I just like I, I I own this movie and don't regret it. I mean, I think I have it on my 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 uh, movies anywhere, but also that means I someone probably gave it to me. Uh, probably Phil. Okay. <laughs> my friend my friend Phil and just hooks me up with the movie codes. Uh, also, uh, some of our listeners do too. And yeah. then all right, Eric, what else you got? Skyfall. I thought maybe this would go in a genre movie, but then again, I didn't really think it would go. It's more of a, a big blockbuster movie. Uh, Jameson Bond, Jim Bond, as he's known in America. Uh, the, rounding out this list, uh, a much more important movie, and these three movies or franchises are, are way up there. The Raid! 
The raid redemption, uh, to be specific. This is okay. I have a question for you. At this one, yeah. Have you seen the raid two? Yes. Okay. I think the raid two is better than the raid one. I know a lot of people think that, and I. Think, I think they're both really good. I think I have to go raid redemption. Okay, Kevin. What do you what do you think? Raid one or raid two? I think. I they thought both? that the fight scenes in Raid 1 were a little more hectic, and I thought that fit the movie better. That's, so, that's about right. So they were not as clean. I'll say this. But and, I thought that was a better representation of the movie. Nathan, I, you, I, like two years ago, three years ago, I would have said Raid 2. Like two years ago, I'd have said the Raid 2. But I don't better. think there's a wrong pick here. I, I, like, what do you like better, greatness or greatness? Also, I already have the Raid 2 on this list with my next pick. <laughs> Dread. Oh. Oh, dread, <laughs> dread, dread is dread is raid two, but better. Dread has some great tone setting stuff in in that movie where like they just set the tone so well. I and love that movie. They nailed the character of Judge Dread perfectly. Also great three D apparently. And then of course it was so good in three D. I I'm so sad that neither <laughs> of you guys will be able to ever see it in three D. Yeah, yeah. Like it kind of depresses me because like that movie looks friggin' great on a huge screen. They played it at the so Cinerama a few years ago and I missed 3D. it. Maybe for Comic Con. And then of course rounding it out, the John Wick franchise. Namely, John Wick 1 is what I'm putting up here. And those are my action figure, action movie bangers. All right. Uh, really quickly, I support you saying John Wick 1. I also think it's the best. And if for no other reason than the fact that it has the best villain. Because the villain is John Wick's hype man the entire movie. So the movie's got it's the so best good. parts. The world building in that movie is, is quite excellent. Excellent show, don't tell. Yeah, so my list isn't exactly like, it's not deep, it's not... Super thoughtful. You've I kind of went through the movies I've seen, list. but yeah. I think the the filling out section is really going to come from you guys. I have I have like two I really care about, and they were the last two I mentioned. Okay, Baby Driver. Um, I want to bring up Baby Driver. Baby Driver is an awesome movie. Um, it's got like really good coordination of sound and things that's happening. Um, it the way that they filmed the scenes and like used the actual geography of Atlanta is really cool. Um, I know this might fit also in the category we're going to do later but i just think that's that, why i didn't that's why i, didn't I think it. that movie like <laughs> totally slaps and the action in it is really good um the movie drive um which is just a, a really really good movie um it's like, that hits its drama elements quite well depending on the day i watch it it's like a, a five a four or a three like i just i like can't ever decide how i feel totally feel that about opening the movie, scene it's baby re- goose does some work in that it's really the, good the first eight minutes of that movie 12 minutes of that movie mm-hmm. so good yeah uh so now i'm getting into movies that i actually probably would want to put in the top five okay you ready sicario hmm. um okay the, not day of the Holy dot i have original no. sicario and i sicario, totally forgot about this movie. No. the opening sequence of this movie is the most intense sequence of any movie it's, it's i've ever even, seen in my life for me it's not even the most intense sequence in the movie that bridge of the America scene, yes. where they're dri- where they're driving on the that bridge, so... and then they're looking at the people in the other car. That's good that, too. That, that the thing, score is perfect. That thing is like that is the most and the the cut shots going back and forth to the chopper and stuff. How is do I really put this? Good. That's the tightest my butthole has ever been in a theater. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just like, it's it was awesome. It only gets I will not tense. Ask what the loosest was. It only gets more tense with Benicio del Toro when he gets out and he said and he just puts his hand up. He goes, amigo, amigo. It's it was uh, he's trying to calm everyone down and it gets so much more. That's tense. a beautifully shot uh, movie. Nice guys, um, nice guys with uh, Baby Goose and uh, Russell Crowe, and it's a it's a nice uh, fun detective romp. Uh, 
also could have fit in the cat in the comedy category it's it's a throwback to the old school kind of lethal weapon style action movie where you uh you have the buddies and uh what they're they're so different and oh how are they gonna get along but it's not but what's cool about it is he didn't use the same two archetypes he always uses the straight arrow and the loose cannon like they're not they're not they're not the straight arrow and the loose cannon they're like the I don't know how to describe them, but the disgruntled drunk and the uh, like the fresh academy up. boy. No, or... the screw up. Yeah, uh, like because I would say Ryan Gosling is just kind of a screw up in the movie, and I, I don't know. It's a, I think it's a really good movie. It's it's got a lot more heart than I think people would uh, would give it credit for, and I think it's it's really a, a super solid, uh, fun fun movie, good action movie. Uh, okay, all of the Planet of the Apes movies. I don't know what category. They totally fit in. They might go into our like genre breakers episode that we're doing, but primate. But like all of these movies movie. are really good, and they don't. I don't think they get anywhere near the credit they deserve. They are unnoticed. They go uh, unnoticed, pe- and they're very those movies like very good. people just like, you know, they're like, yeah, I know those. Those are good, and then that's it. That's all the credit they get, and uh, it's a uh, it's a shame, kind of that that's the way they're they're kind of treated. Um, I'm trying to think of like ones that I don't see. So okay, let's go into the big things. Okay, Fast and the Furious movies. I love the Fast and the Furious movies. It's known that I love them a lot, but I don't think they belong totally on a list like this. If we put one in, uh, Fast Five is the best one. But I don't, I don't know. My hard contention is that Furious Seven is the action movie, and Fast Five and is just, the crime and heist movie. I'm just not sure that either of these like totally belong in a I want to revisit five when we go next week in crime maybe maybe you can convince me in the heist category because I do love that movie but this is for me because that's this is the hard only f- one that also topped a three and a half out of five it's hard for me to say because if a new Fast and the Furious movie comes out there is no chance in hell I'm not seeing it so the when first it comes day out possible May. right like Fast 9 I'm, I'm seeing it like the day it comes out because, so I love these movies but I just don't know if like if I'm making like what movies are the best I don't know. I just don't know if they they really fit in. And the other big series that everyone talks about is Mission Impossible. And those movies are great. I think actually the newest one is the one that I think is the best. Uh, Is that Fallout? Yep. Yeah, I like Fallout quite a bit. I thought it was really good. Hits all the high notes. I mean, those movies are just about crazy action set pieces. Okay. But what I really liked was Mustache Superman uh, loading his his arms before he fought someone. (laughs) That was the coolest part of the movie. That whole when bathroom he, fight he, scene was really, really he, good. He had to load his arms before he fought. That was cool. Like I've not seen that movie. Uh, it's on my list, but I also hey, want to see most. You want to hear a movie that I wrote down and just put, or I like I thought about and just put, not as bad as people think, but not good enough. Parker Henry. Chappie. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, not as bad as people think, but not good enough. All right, my three straight up honorable mentions here: Hardcore Henry and Pacific Rim. I already brought up before. I just think the action scenes in those are both really good. And I think Pacific Rim somehow gets more love and less love than it deserves. Uh, But Harker Henry, all the action scenes uh, kill. And that movie's just really good and people trash it for no reason. It's it's a good movie. What about the 2014 Godzilla movie? What what genre is that even one? And Uh, two... Monsters? Is that horror? Is that... I don't know. That's that's monsters. But that movie's good. It's probably... That movie's legitimately... It's probably in like our... slaps. I like that Our superhero genre. That movie's great. I, I will put it in superhero. Uh, I agree. Godzilla is a superhero. Oh yeah! Now, now people are gonna hate us even more. Um, <laughs> I can tell you what's going to win. Because no, because we have like a Star Wars superhero. We don't know what we're gonna call it. Also, Denzel 
Um, Action Denzel is not my favorite Denzel, but the Equalizer movies, both of those, those are kind of throwback, like almost 70s style action movies. I very like enjoyable. that first one. Yeah. Um, very worth watching. But if I'm going to go, all right, I'm going to name a few movies that have not been officially named yet. Mission Impossible Fallout is on my list. Okay. That's the newest one. That is the newest one. I think the action set pieces in that are really good. And the thing that oh. I especially appreciate is that they they make sense with the story that they are telling and they tell a story within the action what about that like those mission impossible movies are really committed to the bit of like hey we always save the world with one second left yep (laughs) they're like so and they even make a joke to about it uh there's a lot of winking at the camera in a way that's not off-putting and i appreciate that they understand that it's ridiculous and they just kind of steer into it um the first movie was solid the second movie was not very good, which breaks my heart because John Woo. Uh, and then <laughs> from three up, it's just progressively gotten better. Uh, another movie, Logan Lucky, I would like to mention just a placeholder for next week because I don't feel like the action was necessarily the great part of that movie. Uh, Live, Die, Repeat. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the, the Edge of Edge Tomorrow. Of tomorrow. Edge of tomorrow yeah. Edge the of original tomorrow. name of that movie? All You Need Is Kill. That's right. Uh, I think this is a really good action movie. All the action sequences are bangers. And then the uh, drama elements are really good. I would like to bring up... uh, Okay. Is it cheating to bring up It Man 1? Because its overseas release was 2009, but its US release was 2010. I I like the It Man movies. Okay, so I'm going to say It Man 2 because... And I want to bring it up not because I think it's the best movie, but because I think it might have the best fight scenes. I mean, Donnie Yen, Donnie Yen is so good, but, like, those movies are a particular brand of, like, doing a thing that I, you know I like. I uh, love those, but, and I feel like but, I need something that does something like that. What I think, like, I think you can go with, like, The Raid does something like that. I agree, but it needs to be talked about. If, I'm, if I don't talk about an Ip Man movie in the top action movies of the decade, I feel right, this, well then, this is an incomplete Okay, well, discussion. then I have to talk about 13 Assassins, then. Because that movie, that okay. movie oh, rules. I like that movie quite uh, a bit. That's that, a good movie. Takeshi Mike, like, that movie, I just didn't bring it up because I was like, this is never going to gain any traction. The people aren't going to... I feel like it's just outside the list, like and it. I really enjoy that movie. If you've not seen 13 Assassins, well worth seeing... All the action my, sequences of that movie kick butt. My friend Jerry, he he like he's like pretty cool, and he he always describes this like sometimes movies have you just got these guys that just need to get their ass kicked, and like this is yep. this is that movie. Like yep. sometimes man, sometimes someone just needs to get their ass kicked. You know, sometimes someone just needs to get beat up. They go, they do a good job of making <laughs> like a mustache twirling set of villains, and then people that you're like, yeah, that's good job killing that guy. Yeah, way I, to murder his face. If I was making my personal top five, I think I'd put Thirteen Assassins fifth. Like it would be or fourth maybe even. So. Here's a movie that would make my list that I don't think is got on either of yours. I don't even know if Nathan's seen this one. It's The Man from Nowhere. Oh, I did watch it because he oh. told me to. Awesome. Uh, it is a Korean movie. It is it a unique take on a revenge movie. Yeah. And I, for me, this one belongs on the list. What? I uniquely enjoyed this movie. Why do Korean movies always have to have like be so... So like uh, I forgot to add that movie to my list. They're either we funny or to, super dark. Yeah, Kevin and like, I talked about so that all the serious. way here. Like like the things that are happening to the okay. This movie is like Leon. It's like a remake of Leon the Professional. It it's, has a lot of homaging. It has all of those elements. The way I did it was what was that Joaquin Phoenix movie that was not that great? Uh, I was never. Really I was here. never there. I was never really here. That movie's not that bad. It actually. was like if I was never really here had way better action sequences. Um, but uh, less cerebral. 
And I totally forgot to put that on my list, Kevin. Glad we talked about it on the way here. But I, but okay, better than Expendables. The the man from nowhere. Like I like. <laughs> Thanks. I liked it, but it it was like a like. I liked it. It was good. I don't know if it was in my top five though. It, but it becomes one of those questions like, is Old Boy on your top five action movies of two thousand two thousand nine? Is Old Boy an action movie? What What's, is what John, Old Boy is like? So we're doing that genre breakers category like that. Here's old the boy thing: is it's very hard because <laughs> when we looked at action movies, I tried to cut I feel like out. Bong Joon Ho is the ultimate. I tried to cut out anything breaker. cerebral. I tried to cut out anything, you know, too franchisey, and. That's that's where my list came from. So yeah, the ones I'm putting up, uh, knowing not all of them will make it that haven't been mentioned yet, I'm putting up The Man from Nowhere, It Man 2, uh, Edge of Tomorrow, and Mission Impossible Fallout, because some of my other ones have been mentioned already. A few movies that I think would be mentioned if they were not already on other top five lists, uh, the action in Scott Pilgrim should not be underestimated. That's yeah. very enjoyable. I... Train to Busan has great action moments. Mad Max Fury Road. Um would be a top five in this genre if it wasn't another one. And Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse has the best fighting in any other movie. I want to do like a Takeshi Mike uh, like podcast now, like a whole episode where we just talk about like Ichi the Killer and Blade of the Immortal. Although I didn't think Blade of the Immortal was like it was good but not great. I'd be down for doing but, like I would love to do a foreign movie, a foreign films month. We could just pick a couple of really good directors. All right, all right. but that's a, that, that's a conversation for another day. Uh, we got to square this down to a top five. I think we can all say that John Wick one is on there. John Wick one's probably number one. I think if wouldn't you agree, Eric? Yes. I think that's the most John. easily digestible for all of us. Okay, John John Wick one. I feel like the raid is on there. The raid is. So you guys pick the raid over the raid too, right? So then we're we're probably yeah. Yeah. Okay. So unless now, you, unless you're that strong. Yeah. About if you're, it, I will I'd say if you're that it. strong. But I do feel like if I'm caught in a tie. What the raid does differently than the other movies we're about to list are what makes it better for the list. Um, I don't know. I just like the raid too. But I just, it's hard to. Should we just put the raid slash the raid too? Because it's this franchise. It's hard picking it, which one. Because the difference for me is like like between like a four and a four and a half. It's not like I'm like like down on the raid and i think i would rate them both exactly the same i just thought that the dirtier action style of the raid was something more unique for the list eric what do you think i'm gonna put the raid one on there only because one 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 movie i definitely need on there is my raid two which i which i said is dread so we put in dread on well wait wait, so wait for dread like i love dread same it's the same plot (laughs) Here's here's my problem with movies, with, the, with Dread there. being taken off this list. We didn't put Dread in science fiction because we thought it might fall into action, and that movie, as far as pure action goes, and being a really solid movie and not being it's like, so good, it's so good. It I've, take the raid off and put Dread on there then. All right, no, I think we. Well, okay, so keep so, so if the you raid put one dread and on Dread. There. I think Sicario has to be on there. I think that's the thing. I I can't like I have trouble squaring away the fact that we're gonna like cut Sicario. And in like and have three movies because I'm going to be honest. Like if I just said which of these movies is the best, like just the best movie. Sicario is a damn fine movie. Sicario is great, but it was Sicario way like... too good to be an action movie for me. But because it... <laughs> <laughs> it was it was more tense than actiony. It was more cerebral than actiony. It was more um, a lot more drama for me. This I movie mean... didn't suck enough. Like no, exactly. It was it was just. Yeah, but here's the thing. Are we going to really revisit in the crime and heist week next week and try and compare it to uh, Fast, Fast five? five? Like, 
I don't know what to do with that information. Well, that's the thing. I don't know if we were going to put Fast... You talked about putting Fast 7 in this. Uh, I feel like that's the one that you would nominate here, and I also feel like it doesn't make the list. I feel like I'm very obviously standing for, like, my favorite director, who I've already went hard for with Arrival and Blade Runner. <laughs> like, like it's like, yeah, I, I mean, people are starting to hey, get my taste in movies. On the other hand, if... Uh, if if Dennis Villanueva wasn't going to be on all these lists, then you should stop making amazing movies. That's, yeah, that's my that Dune movie's going to slap. I'm so excited for that. Uh, that's that pretty high on my hype list for next year. Uh, so I think we have to put Sakari on there. I, I like it. I will stand I like on the it. table for that. So it's a great. So movie. we got John Wick, Dread, Sicario. Those are locks. We're locked. I feel in like those. the raid we want to probably lock in. If the we lo- if we lock the raid, that means the last spot is like okay. Take out the raid. What do you want to put in? No. I don't want to take out the raid. It's good. I feel like <laughs> I feel like the I want, raid has uniquely six, great martial arts. Scenes. I honestly want six spots so I can put so I can be like, okay, let's do nice guys and something else, or like I didn't see nice guys. If I'm standing on the table for another movie on this, I think it's the Man from Nowhere for me. I think if like if you made me pick one movie to like say like this is the movie, it's either Nice Guys or Thirteen Assassins. I think those are both really good movies. Um, there, Eric, you, we gave you some, some movies to, to pick from there. All right, if you're standing on the table, Eric, what are you standing yeah, on the table your, for? If you're saying Expendables, I'm going to kick you in the knee. Between those three movies, we... Hey, or I, you could pick another no, one. No, Expendables the one, on the outside. What's the one that you have to put up there? I gotta, I can be honest. I put three of my movies are up here on the top five. You're, so I mean, so but, give me something to choose from the last. Those are the three that we we all said we like. We okay. Like. All right, fine. I would say... If I'm putting up two, it's The Man from Nowhere or Edge of Tomorrow. There you go. So then, Edge of Tomorrow, Man from Nowhere, Nice Guys. Uh, nice Guys is out because I haven't seen it. And then Thirteen, Assassins, Thirteen Assassins and Edge of Tomorrow because I know how much you guys really love. Uh, all I need is kill. All you need is kill. It's between those two movies, Thirteen Assassins, and All You Need Is Kill. Um, that's tough. Those are both really good movies. Oh. Um, actually, you know what? I've made a decision. Personally, okay. Go ahead. You no, you say what you say. What you're gonna say? <laughs> You've made a decision. I don't. <laughs> Kevin, it's nothing man by Pearl Jam. The man from nowhere. Okay. Have That's a car that joke. That's a car joke. But honestly, like as far as films go, if we're going to put Sicario in. I feel like The Man from Nowhere is a genuinely really good film. Man, I did, I'll be honest. I thought it was good, but not great. Like It Fair? was like a solid like three and a half, four for me. It was like a four and a half for me. Yeah, I just I thought it was fine. I also don't like Leon the Professional that much, which maybe colored my. I love Leon the Professional. That's a five out of five. Movies, for me. movies where movies where like an adult man overly befriends a, a, a younger woman is like always weird for me. I just <laughs> those like, two don't. movies. Nathan something out. about it just creeps me out, dude. I don't Nathan know. Nathan is just not in favor of stopping like girls from being killed. Pedophilia. He just he's he's Nathan is very pro young very... girl murder. And when somebody prevents that from happening, he gets very disappointed. Yeah, it's like, well, just let her die, man. He definitely, he definitely wants, wants her to be killed. Don't be a creep. And doesn't want anyone to help them. It's, you know, it's, uh, he also hates finding Nemo. He just thinks everyone should let the kid die. Like, it's a fucking crippled fish anyway. Who cares? For the record, Nathan did not love that movie when we talked about Pixar about a year ago. I'm anyway, saying, continue. Nathan really wishes that kids would die in movies more. And, that's you know, what that, you think. That's, that's, a, that's your, a strong take. That was your takeaway? <laughs> You made fun of me for not doing math, but like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. For, for, for Kevin, for Eric, we will see you next week. Go Hawks.
Yeah, I'm drunk.